Welcome to the Bull and Hawk Sports Show. This is CJ Hawk, co-host of the program. And I'm bringing to you some breaking news from about a week ago regarding a rebranding of two soccer clubs in the United States. And rebrands are always a fickle thing. There can be the reaction from the fans where they love the rebrand, love the new logo, love the new color scheme. And then there can be the other part of the fan base that hates the new logo, can't stand the new color scheme. For example, let's say they were a club that used red and black was like their main color, and they switched to yellow and brown. And the fans were up in arms, angry that the whole identity of the club was based around having the red and black weaved in somehow, and they switched to yellow and brown. And that angered them. Well, this is a rebranding that did not change from the color schemes. They're keeping the same orange color as the main focus of both of these soccer clubs. And those two clubs are the Houston Dynamo and the Houston Dash. And on the Bullock Sports Show, we cover the Houston Dash pretty often. That's probably one of my favorite soccer clubs. My second favorite National Women's Soccer League soccer club and one of my probably top 10 overall at least. And then the Dynamo, we don't cover on the Bulldog Sports Show very often at all, but they're intertwined due to ownership and due to how the MLS and NWSL works. A variety of the clubs in both are connected via the same stadium or connected in terms of like money being spent. And this is another one of those. Similar to the NBA and WNBA, there's a variety of teams that are connected. And let's get into that. So they decided to do a rebrand for both sides. Dash have been playing excellent as of late. Winners of the 2020 Challenge Cup. Whereas the Dynamo have been less than stellar. Bottom of the barrel, struggling to win games, finished at the bottom of the table in the MLS this season, nowhere near making the playoffs, when a variety of teams had losing records and had under 30 points, they actually made the MLS playoffs, but the Dynamo were nowhere near that and missed out, both heading in in opposite directions, Dash are getting closer to winning it again, playing great, excellent, led by stars Shay Groom, Rachel Daly, Michelle Prince, Christy Mewis, Jane Campbell, and more. And the Dynamo, they have probably the, the rebrands probably more for them to get their fan base more hyped up, get them back into Swinney Fane saying, Don't worry, we're playing very poor. But we're still a good squad. We still have value. We need to get a fresh start in the community and in the MLS. Which is important because the MLS is having lots of expansion and the NWSL. Both leagues are getting a lot of expansion with new teams joining seemingly every day. Where in the MLS, 
news teams such as Nashville just joined last year, Inter-Miami, a Sacramento team is joining soon, a St. Louis team, a variety of teams are joining. And in the NWSL, Racing Louisville just joined a couple weeks ago, and then their new LA Angels team, there's like Angeles, Angels FC, I believe is the name, is joining next year, so both very soon. So there's a lot of promise for both of these leagues. And let's talk a little bit about the rebrand. So for the Dynamo, they were always called the Houston Dynamo, and their name's now new. They're now called the Houston Dynamo FC, so football club. And I read a comment on the athletic article I'm reading from Inside the Dash and Dynamo Redesign, Step 1 and Organized Shift by Meg Lanahan, who's one of the best reporters, an excellent NWSL reporter. She's probably fixture Adrian Rosanowski for the NBA or Adam Schefter for the NFL. That's her for the NWSL. And she talked a little bit about how they changed to the Houston Dynamo FC. And a comment in the fan section mentioned, how come it's not SC? Because I can see that it is soccer in the United States. And it's Major League Soccer, not Major League Football. So I can see why there would be that gripe. Because if they did Houston Dynamo F- SC, it would make sense. Soccer club. But they did FC for football club. Kind of, to me, seems like they want to be known as like a British football league team if they do FC. But I don't know. Some teams choose FC. Some do SC. I guess it just depends on what they're looking for in regards to the name. And perfect time for rebrand, says Meg Linhan, for both squads. The Dynamo, looking to get out of the bottom dwellers status, whereas the Dash are playing excellent on top of the world. Big boosts in new fans. More Once fans can come back to the stadium, once COVID gets a little bit more of a handle on having larger crowds. And one thing that was interesting was that in 2019, last time the statistics were looked at for regards to fan attendance, the dash were towards the bottom, and Meg Lenhan mentions they had currently then and now did not have any um, national women's players. So, like, the famous ones that you see every day, like the Meg Rapinos, the Julie Ertz, all those famous stars, mostly all of them were on different clubs, and the dash didn't have any, so that hurt them in regards to people who are looking to see the famous Meg Rapino, they wouldn't be going to a Dash game because there wasn't any national stars. But that has changed. And I think if fans were able to go today, they would be one of the most highest in attendance based on the buzz. And that's my personal opinion, not the article of Meg Lanahan's opinion. And for both teams... They revealed last week the new crests. Both are hexagons rather than a shield or rounded. And according to Meg Lanahan, this was intentional. 
The six sides represent the six wards of Houston, and also look back to the Dynamo's founding in 2006. Also, according to the person that she interviewed, Scallon, hexagons are strong and naturally occurring shape. When you put them next to each other, their strength multiplies based on the pressure they get from their neighbors. It showed how the dash and dynamo were on equal footing, but also how the players and supporters were stronger combined together. I can see that. And my own opinion, I like the Houston Dash's new crest more. It has hexagon shaped with a H down the middle. And on the right and left hand sides are orange. And then in the middle is a H that is color blue. And then there's two kind of like goalposts down the middle that are orange. And then a huge white writing on the bottom Satushin Dash. And then there's a star on the bottom of the hexagon crest. And then the dynamos is all black, just like the dashes one. The base is black. Instead of having blue, it is all orange. Completely orange. No blue at all. All orange. And it has orange labeling. Then it has weird shapes. Various shapes on the crest. Kind of looks a lot like the six wards. It had like it looks like kind of like a train railroad or one of those things you would see like subway. I don't really know why they did it like that. It looks kind of odd to be honest. And then it has a lightning bolt at the bottom. And I would probably like the dash one better. But it's definitely different. And also it says that the bottom of the crest is a homage to NASA for the dashes. That is what it is. It's to talk about NASA, give them homage. And the dynamos, lightning bolt, energy, and aerospace. That makes sense. I can see that as things they want to honor and give notice to. A little bit more about this before we wrap it up. Interesting to see where they went with the new crests. And they've already rolled out players wearing jerseys and team apparel with the new crest. For example, there's one of Shea Groom wearing a black hoodie with the crest on the right-hand side. And there's also a picture of a Dynamo player wearing a black t-shirt with the crest as well. And then another photo of goalie for Houston Dash, Jane Campbell, in a black hoodie with the one right down the middle. So the new crest, the Dash crest, is right down the middle, holding also a soccer ball with the crest on the soccer ball, as well with multiple crests on the ball. One's colored, the rest are all black. Very interesting to see. They also, the Dash released a video on Twitter rolling out the new 
soccer balls, a new a team apparel, new crest. Interesting video. It said, we grind, we shine, we are Houston, H-Town. Definitely want to get involved with the fans, the community. They've been doing some charity work as well. Both teams getting involved with helping give notice to George Floyd and more murals that have been painted. And overall, that's all I have to say about the new redesign and new branding for Dash and Dynamo. One I personally like. One more not sure, to be honest. More on the negative side, but maybe if I see it actually during a real game, I might have a better grasp on it, better opinion of it. And also... Stay tuned. Keep watching Bullock Sports Show. We're going to be talking a little bit probably about the MLS playoffs, which is currently going on. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about the NWSL new 2021 season. The new scheduling came out. How it's going to work has all been announced. Excited to see how it's going to go down. And enjoy the rest of your Tuesday afternoon. We are getting ready to release part one of episode 50 with my good friend Cassidy Stevenson, host of the Comrades podcast. Also part two featuring former Concordia men's basketball star Neil O'Donnell. Featured in part two, came on to talk about Chicago Bulls. He's a Chicago Bulls super fan, just like Benny the Bull and myself. And then, finally, Part 3 will be released after those two, which will feature the Dash and Dynamo redesign. Also feature our talk on the NWCL Fall Series. DJ Van Bull has been salivating and desperately waiting to discuss that for a millennium. And then also feature a little bit about some other news and probably potentially feature the Premier League recaps I did on two teams on Manchester City versus the Spurs and then Fulham versus Everton. That was about 20 minutes total. That'll be put in this section as well. So enjoy the upcoming Bullock Sports Show news. We've been having a great time making these episodes. One last final, 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 final comment. We also released a brand new episode a few days ago that is featuring host of the O Show, Jack O'Hara. Came on for his fourth time on the program, Bullock Sports Show, to talk about The Undertaker and also the WWE Survivor Series 2020 matches. GG Benny Bull did an excellent prediction segment. And Jack and Benny chose their personal list of 15 greatest Undertaker fights of all time had very similar ones on there as well. Some different, especially the beginning was a little different. And then the end, the final one, two, three was pretty much the exact same, almost word for word. They had a similar point of view and similar opinion of which is the best. And stay tuned for more on Vlog Sports Show shortly.
Okay, we are now live. Yes, we are. Full screen, yes, <laughs> Well, welcome, friends. Steve Hawk, Steve Bannon Bull. This is our part three of the 50th celebration episode. Part one released on Wednesday with Cassidy Stevenson, host of the Comrades podcast. Joined us to talk about the Cubs. And then Neil O'Donnell, former Concordia men's basketball star point guard joined to talk about the Chicago Bulls draft pick specifically talking about Pat Williams and also talked about the future of the squad and now this is part three which a lot of it will go in depth on the NWSL ranging on schedule releases past schedule games and more so this first part I'll be shown we're broadcasting live on IBM video streaming, also known as IBM Cloud. So, yeah, we had some technical issues uh, in terms of uh, verification for YouTube Live, so we have uh, turned it and we pushed out to uh, everyone. And uh, anyone who is watching or will watch, you can participate in the chat. Yes, this is our first time ever using IBM. So if there's a problem, we sincerely apologize. Right. Yeah, it's totally foreign to you, I'm sure many of our friends. So. Um, and IBM is known for making their floppy disks. So. And, uh, this is actually a uh, successor to uh, the platform formerly known as Ustream. So many have heard just with the like the transition from uh, what is now Twitch, Twitch TV, um, formerly known as uh, as Justin TV. So, yeah, we've seen a lot of evolutions with uh, broadcasting, and uh, YouTube actually recently they've added their live feature. So we're just in the infancy of of these. Uh, these different uh, live platforms. You can definitely always record yourself on uh, broadcast yourself as a, uh, the slogan is with YouTube. I've never before been able to go live as if you would with uh, your Facebooks or Instas. So, yeah, we've definitely been on Insta Live before <laughs> when uh, CJ, you were doing your, your radio show. Yes, I, we have. Yes, yeah, so, so we're, not, we're not totally foreign, though. We just thought that this would be something um, we'd like to dive into, and um, this is not the first. This is not the only time we will be able to uh, do this. So, um, hopefully, one time we'll we'll be in the studio at once, which is uh, always been the goal. Though, of course, with health concerns right now, we of course decided uh, to be separate. And uh, it's definitely colder outside than we <laughs> recorded on um, the porch. On the porch, close to close to studio, within you know that environment, and uh, yeah, it was definitely a cold day. Yet we uh, were able to take it. <laughs> no. How was your Thanksgiving, DJ Vanderbilt? Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, first off, uh, grateful to have this platform to share our uh, thoughts on sports, sports related issues. You already know, and uh, just very thankful. Uh, I always use that day to. Uh, thank especially my uh, closest friends and probably reach out to uh, some 
familiar faces. <laughs> Some uh, friends maybe I haven't uh, talked to, whether in person or on, uh, you know, Messenger, um, whatever, you know, place that we usually communicate. Uh, say that you're grateful that you met them. And um, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, I really wasn't on my phone really much until the evening. So my day consisted of cooking, watching the parade, um, being on Zoom for a little bit in the uh, EDM community that I'm a part of, which is really special, a place since, um, which began in uh, July. So I, I do that at times. And uh, everyone's basically uh, gotten to know one another. A lot of familiar faces out there. Um, it's 24-7, so you can come in anytime someone's going to be there. And, uh, yeah, there's uh, usually, you know, everyone's on Twitch and I'll be streaming uh, uh, whichever uh, DJ who is under the umbrella. And uh, there's a dancing room, so we, uh, we we all do that. I was there for a little bit, and then um, I was cooking. We had two different types of mashed potatoes that I concocted. I did... Um, fresh from uh, the veggie itself, uh, sweet potato. And then we had uh, straight from the box, we had the, uh, with a little spin on it, uh, the uh, russet uh, mashed potatoes. So, yeah, it was day filled of cooking. And we also had uh, turkey, of course. This was a very uh, big turkey. And uh, really, uh, it's rare that we actually just do our own version. Um, since tradition is at my aunt's house, um, I gave my aunt a call and just checking in, um, telling her that I miss being there for tradition. Hope um, he's doing well and such. Yeah, so that was the way at the end of the day. We had a feast, my mom and dad. Um, and yeah, it was basically those three items. We always have it with something uh, along with mash we have um, with rice noodles. And uh, anything on topic, we did stuffing this year. We did a uh, stuffing that my my grandma traditionally, uh, thank goodness, we remember uh, a lot of the ingredients. Uh, we were able to do that. So um, my grandma was always big on Thanksgiving. She was the one. She was the chef of all chefs. Um, you know that began the tradition for uh, Thanksgiving. Um, so yeah, it was good to have that. Uh, you know, stuffing back and. Uh, we uh, actually had lunch prior to the feast. Um, we had uh, what's called craft hanji. And so, like, usually the day of my mom will get, uh, will go get some crab from the market and uh, you basically make it like a stew along with, uh, you basically cook it within a soup and then, like, you know, you, and then you boil the rice. So it's basically like porridge in a way. Yeah. Um, it's actually a, Kanji is a very traditional um, Chinese breakfast, so um, it's definitely a good um, alternative to uh, oatmeal if you ever have some, or uh, your hot cereals, or whatever you can think of. So, yeah, overall, good day. Yeah, I felt great to hear. And all that. Yeah, what about you, CJ? Yeah, it was different for our, our family this year. We usually gather either at my grandma's or aunt's, but due to COVID, my side of the family side played safe, so it was just my mom, dad, and Aaron, my sister, and 
yes. We, we tried some new recipes. We tried one that Aaron found online that I ended up making. It was very good. It was a cranberry and apple cranberry sauce, like a cran apple sauce. Very tasty. And then we made stuffing. It's from Trader Joe's. We made turkey. This turkey was really good. It was not dry at all. My mom found a recipe online that said you could cook it on a bed of onions and potatoes, and that was really good. And also, we had sweet potato casserole, pecan pie, which I'm a big pecan pie fan. I thought it was really good from mm-hmm. Jewel. It was Jewel pie. It was really oh, yeah. Good. That's a sleeper, especially with yeah. um, pecan ice cream. Yeah, that's a sleeper. That's a hidden gem. No, we had a good time. Uh, just rela- did some cooking, then had dinner, and relaxed, and that was pretty pretty much it. Yeah, More low key than normal. Watch. Yeah, did you get a chance to watch the Macy's Parade? No, I watched the Lions Texans football game in the first half, but the game was so poor, so bad that I turned it off at time. All right, I guess it's meant to be. I didn't, I didn't tune in at all to. Uh, I was watching some inside edition. and they're having some really cool stories about, um, um, you know, others saving others. Like, we went back to a story from a few months ago that, like, there's a dog in the middle of water, and uh, somehow it ended up there. Like, a uh, good thing someone that ran by from a boat um, jumped in and saved them. Uh, I believe it said the guy was in the boxers, and um, just saw him, like, um, when they reached... Um, when they reached the safety, um, the dog reached safety, so it was exhausted and everything. So, you know, hearing things like that, I'm really thankful that, you know, it's a lot of good um, in the world, and uh, uh, we should all be grateful to uh, have that type of uh, good news. Um, and uh, with that, with some good vibes, right? So, um, I-, I want to say about the potatoes that I actually put a spin on it, like I found. A couple of recipes really added to it. Didn't have sour cream though. They say to add some sour cream, so I thought it was just fine with it. The sweet potato and the mashed—I uh, guess your standard potato, roasted potato, mashed potato. Um, I added garlic, nice green onion, as well as it all takes is one clove of garlic. Um, for the russet potatoes, I added uh, some garlic salt. I was thankful that we had some of that, and we actually use, um, we've lately been using, since the late summer, um, Himalayan pink salt. I uh, that, that does actually add some, like, extra flavor, and it's, like, you know, a little, a little bit bigger and all, and so, yeah, you definitely, you use your ingredients with milk. We actually didn't have milk, you know how you add cold milk to your mashed potato mix? You can, so yeah. we actually had, um... We had gotten from somewhere um, a instant mix, uh, milk mix, if you want to call it that. And so, you know, you boil some water and then you're able to create the milk and it's actually quite a nice fragrance and uh, that was the way. And we don't really need it cold anyway, so like it was perfect. It added to the, you know, create that moisture, that creaminess that we needed. So I don't believe it's the same without milk. So it was good that we were able to make uh, some right there on the spot and so yeah credit to my mom too uh for helping the mixing that too um it was definitely nice to be able to spend uh, time with my quality time with my mom and dad my dad was in charge of the the turkey and uh 
he, he doesn't really do it, you know, it's not tradition, though. Uh, we're able to take the, the tradition from uh, my uh, grandma and continue that um, years later. And uh, overall, just really good day. Uh, and, yeah, just relaxing, watching some TV. I know that, uh, you know, it's a uh, animal sport, the uh, National Dog Show. Oh, yeah, that was yesterday. As competition, I was watching that. Uh, there's a replay uh, later in the day and uh, prime time. I was watching some of that, and uh, nice to see some, uh, you know, breeds. You know, like the one I have at home, uh, the toy breeds. Uh, definitely uh, nice and relaxing to be able to see that. And uh, they still went on despite being, you know, in the pandemic that we are. Uh, masks were worn. Uh, I did have one issue with uh, they just. So it was going to the commercial break, and then this the guy I don't know is one of the trainers. He uh, like he unmasked and then let one of the dogs lick his face, <laughs> like lip, his lips and whatnot. I'm like, you shouldn't do that. I mean, it's uh, you know it's changed since the time when when they claimed that uh, dogs and cats and you know animals cannot contract COVID nineteen and. Uh, that's not the case anymore. So I wouldn't risk it. I mean, I'm sure many of them, uh, or all of them, had to get tested uh, negative to be able to participate. Though I will say about this, and to all listeners, that um, especially for gatherings, um, you might have not contracted enough of the virus in order to reach that thresh that threshold in order to have a positive test. So uh, it does not mean that you haven't. Um, basically inhaled in some of the parts of some of the um, droplets um, of the virus and uh, and not, uh, you know, not enough to have it. And so, yeah, don't go uh, large gatherings and uh, and uh, everyone, ha- just because having a negative test doesn't mean that, you know, I'm playing everyone, uh, you know, as safe. Uh, just keep an eye out always for others, and uh, this is the best we can do right now. Um, good news uh, regarding in terms of sports too with vaccines and everything and um, we're definitely going to be first to find out. Maybe not one of the first to actually be able to get the vaccine um, as you know frontline workers, uh, healthcare workers and uh, um, you know the elderly for example they um, are likely the ones to actually get it first and so um, I definitely would wait it out um, even um, see if it's effective. As of now, they say um, there's one that's 94%, and then another one that's 95% effective. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see and uh, continue to uh, keep it safe. And seriously, um, we hear it thrown around, though. Um, I always like to back things up with a little bit of scientific evidence. So, um, to our listeners right there, I hope you uh, will take that in and, uh, and think twice about <laughs> Uh, large gatherings, especially right now, uh, cases so rising. And uh, good news that we uh, in Illinois we've had uh, a deep, slight decrease um, since we've had uh, what's said to be the tier three mitigations, uh, not an official lockdown. Um, and then there's positive and negatives of that. Um, though, yeah, more positive uh, cases still. Um, yeah, a positive that we uh, are able to get the numbers down. And uh, positivity rate, uh, the goal is to get it down to zero. So we're on the road to that. And uh, with these changes, I believe it can happen. And 
it'll be better for all of us. And um, the point is not to spread it around. And if we have to go through a lockdown, then uh, so be it. Um, because, uh, you know, it cannot spread if no one's really out, right? So that's all I have to say on that. Yes, I think it's time to transition. First, I want to talk a little bit about some breaking news. And most this episode mostly focused on the National Women's Soccer League. So to start that off with a bane, last week, the NWSL announced a new competition to be debuted in 2021. And there's a lot of big things to take away from the announcement. And... First, on February 1st, 2021, the players report to camp. And then the first competition will come in mid-April when the NWSL Challenge Cup Part 2 returns after a historic edition last season, 2020. And it will probably take place in multiple bubble environments, team markets, or some combo. And a little bit of a quote. Bringing back the Challenge Cup is an opportunity for our league to continue growing our fan base and showcase our world-class players. Exciting and competitive tournament out of the most important international tournament, the Olympics, said NWSL Chief Revenue Officer Mitch Pohl. We're focused on continuing to provide opportunities to expand our reach, expose a global audience to the best women's soccer in the world, and provide meaningful opportunities. Then... A 2021 regular season of 24 games will take place. Then the playoffs in November with six teams will qualify. Top two get a bye. And that is the historic 10th anniversary announcements that Den Devisel has released. The second Challenge Cup, the 24 games regular season, and then the expanded playoffs. Yeah, so again, it's going to kick off in mid-May, and uh, every single team will participate uh, so long as they are uh, healthy. good to go, healthy, right? Uh, we don't want to repeat, uh, seriously, we don't want to repeat from the line of time, and definitely saw some roughiness uh, from them, though they definitely came up at the end of the fall series, which we'll go over. Um, yeah, we'll 24 matchups, and um, full schedule will be released later. I expect them to do so. Uh, at least two months in advance, so uh, we'll likely see that uh, being announced in March. So, yeah, um, actually, with that, um, I think you mentioned with the six teams to qualify, uh, it's going to begin in, uh, with expanded playoffs that yep. will go on as part of the second part, right? So the 2021 campaign? Yeah, November. Yeah, and then the championship game will be the weekend of November 20th. So, a year from now. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just a good layout right there. And uh, good to be uh, able to, to do that. And if you have mentioned already the, uh, about the Olympics. Yes, and, I did. Uh, yes. So, they'll be able to uh, coincide or at least uh, build up to that. Um, have some games up before that. And uh, definitely uh, create that exposure for them, right? Furthermore, I'm sure we're going to see them on... Uh, TV more, which is positive, and I get to lay it out early, um, especially with you know college games, you know these going on. Uh, so them having advantage with the fall series, being beyond uh, because of the college games, uh, especially with football being 
move or press down and so you know and if so they look eight time slots to showcase their games uh, with what uh, the competition is all about so before we move on do you want to take a quick break We'll be back very soon on the Bullhawk Sports Show. We're back on the Bullhawk Sports Show. Now we're doing exclusively audio. Our, we had a nice time, a nice experience, and experiment with the IBM video, but an effort to speed up the process, but still be really awesome. We were reverting back to audio. So let's get started right away with a more redesigned news. I had done a 15 minute video, or not video, audio on the Houston Dash and Houston Dynamo's new rebranding and redesign. And they've already released the logos for them. But this is for the Chicago Fire, who have not released the logo yet. So we don't know what the new one will look like. All we know is that there will be a redesign. And the article yep. is from the Athletic Chicago Fire. Now it's in our logo redesign, according to sources, by Paul Torino. And Mr. Torino announced in this article the Chicago Fire set to announce another redesign of its badge pending sign up from all parties involved. So it's not set in stone yet. So it might not happen. They might keep the crappy logo. Hopefully they don't. Let's just, let's just be honest. Simple. And generic. He, he, the reset comes just one year after the new badge unveiled last November was largely panned by the fans, myself included. Myself included. And... Poorly received. That's what the meaning of that is. Yep. <laughs> so, a little bit about it was that the fire unveiled a brand overhaul last fall, getting rid of the kind of theme that you think of when you think of like the fire, like, oh, the fire station, firehouse, firefighters. They got rid of that and said, let's do this slick fire. It's like, okay, that was just cheesy. Cheesy, simple, too simple. Yeah, because it was supposed to be a a crown. It was supposed to be met, according to Mr. Torino, the fire crown was meant to tell the story of a dramatic rebirth at a city's triumph. The fire had previously used a logo based on the Florian Cross. And also they changed their name. They were the Chicago Fire Soccer Club. They changed the entire Chicago Fire Football Club. Oh. And I don't know. That's a significant meaning though. Yeah, it does. And Mr. Torino says their goal for this is to reflect a long-term vision for the club as Chicago's global ambassador to the world. It's like, okay, that just sounds so, I don't know, but that's why they switched to football instead of soccer club. Exactly. And like we mentioned, he states almost immediately, the logo was heavily criticized by fans and by many MLS observers. Few saw the new logo as portraying a crown fire, and fans said the new color scheme was way too similar to Real Salt Lake, which I agree with. It looks so similar. The, criti- the fire were criticized for breaking too sharply from the club's history. 
including a switch to blue home uniforms for the first time, getting rid of the cool red jerseys that created the men in red moniker used by the fans and the club. This was the first ever redesign under and a big decision under fire owner Joe Mansuito. Sure. Though the process began before the sale when Andrew Hampton sold to Joe Mansuito. And Joe mentioned a willingness to move away from the crappy new look if it remained horribly unpopular with fans. We want a great badge for a great club, he told the Chicago Tribune. Uh, it was I'm not sure working. They played popcorn. I'm sure, if they played popcorn between <laughs> fans. Uh, every one of them must have their uh, negative opinions. Something to say about that logo. And he says, if it's not working for people, we'll fix it. As a practical matter, we can't do anything in the short term given lawn, term leads, and uniforms, merchandise, blah, blah, blah. And won't be ready until 2022, it looks, if they undertake this new second redesign in less than one year. And as if all redesigns will be problems, especially vendors like Adidas, their big sponsors already got their old jerseys ready to go, then the old fire crown format so I'll have to switch it yet again but we'll see if the new logo will take place in 2022 or they'll say actually let's stick with the crappy ones hopefully they switch to the new ones and finally the last comment to make and we'll move on to the new topic is disclosure Paul Torino previously worked on the Chicago Fire's TV broadcasts Um, he previously worked on the Chicago Fire's TV broadcasts. Oh, all right. That, that, that was at the end of the article. It said disclosure. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And there's actually a slight, a, um, this comes after the news. Uh, the, uh, Houston Dynamos, uh, after their, uh, brand refresh, um, so they'll follow suit. And, uh, that was, uh, couple Tuesdays ago and so they're still going to include the football club in their name as a they're going to keep that and um, there's a quick reef right here about uh, Leeds United being uh, quickly reversing their uh, new logo back in 2018 that was the fans actually signed a petition asking the club to rethink that new look so I'm sure it probably wasn't that intense, though, um, with complaints uh, from the from the get-go uh, as far as this uh, debate. And uh, now it's going to come true. Uh, we're going to get a new logo. It's just a matter of one. And uh, if you had to pick your thoughts on this story as the athletic user does, what did you think of this story? Meh, solid, or awesome? I'd say solid. Now, I think we're going to move on to the topic that the whole fan base has been 
waiting for. DJ Benny Bull has been announcing this for a long time. It is our in-depth review, not preview, review of the NWSL Fall Series. We covered tons of the matchups. We had a few left, and then we'll give quick final thoughts on did we think it was a success, a failure? Did we like how the bubble format was set up in terms of some squads playing each other and then some not being able to? Like, for example, Houston Dash could ne- never were able to play the Red Stars or the Pride were never able to play the Utah Royals. And let's get into the couple of matches left that we wanted to discuss. And which ones are those, DJ Vanderbilt? Now, we're going to start with the second month. Uh, now, it, from September, the series split but into October, which most games were not on uh, regular uh, on broadcast TV anymore. So a lot of them on Sports Network, on, on Twitch, uh, Twitch for the majority. All access, yeah. And so, yes, yeah, so they'll be able to check out games. And that was one complaint that I had uh, not being able to slide in uh, due to college football we mentioned earlier is uh, why so we have uh, that so yeah so far up to there we know we revealed the second challenge cup will begin in May and uh, breaking news right there and so we already have the redesigns for the for the dash um, that's exciting and uh, yeah so the 2021 season is going to be set um, so yeah let's uh, review that fall series and did you want to begin with those uh with that, or you want to go on with the games, right? So yeah, let's do, have, uh, let's do the games, yeah. Yes. So what you know, we have going to uh, into the first few matches. So yeah, I'll I'll run down the matchup. So starting in on October fourth, we had Houston Dash versus North Carolina Courage. Just a refresher, especially excuse me, since we've been been away, it feels like two months. So it's only been what, almost two months, a month and a half or so. Almost two <laughs> months. Three months ago. So yeah, it's been <laughs> kind of odd, kind of been like the you know the norm since we haven't been able to see uh, any games from them. So yeah, all the way from uh, the 17th. So uh, that was the first one, and then we had uh, from the 9th of October, well, then the Orlando Pride once again facing. Houston Dash. And then on the 10th, we have Sky Blue versus Chicago Red Stars. Then, later that day, we had the OL Rain would go up against my second favorite team, the New League Portland Thorns FC. And in the top of the draw, we have two uh, really good matchups to, to end it, and that is from the 17th that was between the Orlando Pride versus North Carolina Courage and then OL Rain versus the Utah Royals FC by the way uh, CJ did you want to quickly um, explain what's going on with the Utah Royals uh, they're going under a uh, very likely under a new brand uh, a new uh, they, they might be moving yes so a couple days ago there was an announcement that the opportunity and the chance to find a new ownership group to take over Utah Royals is not going very well in Utah. 
And that is because Delaware Hansen, the former owner of the Royals and Real Salt Lake, was fired, resigned, left, quit, so sold the team. So now they're looking for a new ownership group, and they haven't found one yet. They have until January, early January, to finalize the agreement to stay in Utah. But that doesn't if that does not happen, they'll have to find somewhere else to go to. Or if most dangerous circumstances, the team will fold, which I don't want that, of course. But if they can't find a new ownership group in a new home city, there'd be a problem. But somewhat positive news, there is a ownership group, ownership group in Kansas City. I assume Kansas City, Missouri, not Kansas City, Kansas. But maybe they'll tell right. you more. And right, it has to be Missouri. Yeah. Uh, because it has to do with. Uh... If you know with uh, FC Kansas City, uh, yeah, so, uh, yep, uh, and also uh, Sporting Kansas, sure, uh, is is up in Missouri, so yeah, that is related. And if they go back to Kansas City, there used to be a team oh, there. Wait a second, wait, that that club is actually Kansas City, Kansas. So it appears that um, this the primary sticking point. Um, as that is that um, they would like the KC group is uh, the lack of a venue um, and so wait so they'd be moving to Kansas yeah oh Utah's uh, a lot better right oh well and um so if they go to Kansas City they'd have to do an, probably a new redesign new rebrand get involved with the community, meet the new fans, and that's a big process. So I think if they leave Utah, we won't see that franchise at least until probably 2022, once they have to get re-situated, re-built. And just like the Chicago Fire long process and changing their logo, it's a long process in starting a franchise. So even though they may have the name they want for the Kansas City Club or maybe the owner is ready to pull out his wallet and sign the check, they have to finalize a million things like finalize the stadium, finalize resources, finalize practice facilities, all that stuff. And hopefully they stay in Utah. That would be the best situation and scenario that a ownership group agrees to buy the Utah Royals and Real Salt Lake FC. Because as far as I know, no one has bought them yet either. Is that correct, DJ Manny Bull? Correct. Uh, right, yeah. And uh, there, is, there is a request, uh, you know, that they... Uh, it's actually more so rumored that, you know, Children's Mercy Park, uh, Sporting Kansas City's home, uh, would be the most obvious candidate for this NFL team. Those sources said that Sporting is not interested in sharing their stadium with another team. And what a shame, especially with uh, basically refusing to include, uh, you know, a women's club in there just because, I guess, you know, maybe it has to do with, like, oh, maybe, you know, we don't want to share that space because we don't want to share the space. So, like, uh, I believe it's more than that. And, uh, one MLS source uh, did say that uh, no official request had been made, so uh, they're they're that outright like denying uh, 
to host uh, the new or the next um, Utah Rose. So, uh, yeah, however, uh, others with knowledge what the plans uh, indicated that interest from the Long Group uh, was communicated to Spartan KC, uh, which the Long Group is, uh, is uh, it, the chief investment. Um, they're part of the uh, management uh, team uh, based in Kansas City uh, that are working on the bid. Uh, being led by Angie and Chris Long. Um, so, yeah, they're the ones who are planning to bring it to Kansas City, Kansas. And um, so, I mean, if they were to go to Varsity Park, then the capacity being 18,467, which is fairly decent. Um, actually, the USL, United States uh, League, uh, United Soccer League, um, is occupied, is uh, also occupying. Um, under Sporting KC 2, uh, the Roman numeral 2, and uh, yeah, right. considered the Division 2. So. I think a final comment for me is that there may be the hypothetical thinking, like, obviously the fans of Utah will immediately buy the sport, the Kansas City gear, and they'll love it, and they go, oh, it's great, they're moving to Kansas City. That's not the case. It's dangerous when clubs move so often or fold right away because because as far as i know the utah royals have not been in utah that long and it takes a while to get fans the community fired up about you your team get the fans raring to go and immediately leaving after a few seasons to move to kansas city those utah fans you won't be getting unless they because especially since the NWC because just happen to be like how the rappers are doing. Right, but that wouldn't be like that though. But, but the thing is that the NWSL is such a local game yet. It's not a national game yet. It's not a international that losing the team, the fan base, and losing the team will sadden the community in Utah. Because it's not like, for example, when the Oakland Raiders moved to Las Vegas. Because that, that's fine. The people who are fans of Oakland Raiders will be fans of Oakland forever. And they'll love the new I Vegas. Mean, but Yeah, I'll just be a fan of the Raiders forever. in general. And uh, they didn't really change the logo much. So no, they didn't. Like a huge change. They kept the same logo, everything. Right, so that's a plus right there. And uh, that's where we got, uh, you know, we got uh, Kaleem back. And also, the difference there is that the Raiders, the fans, everyone wanted them to move to Vegas, and the team was not sold. Whereas this one, it's sold, and the fans obviously don't want them to go to Kansas City. Exactly. Yeah, that's what happens when, you know, ownership issues. I'm more concerned about the players. Um, it wouldn't be fair for them to not be able to play because their, uh, oh, of course. Uh, their club is not active, so... Uh, with that said, uh, you know, would Kansas City even get, you know, Amy, Amy Rodriguez back, right? Like, their captain, uh, they're the face of the franchise, if you will. And, uh, you know, it, you know, let's say that Rodriguez comes to the Red Stars for the time being, like, it's not guaranteed, like, you won't get, you know, all the same players back uh, when it goes to Kansas City. No, who knows? Um, that's the issue right there, too. So, uh, yeah. There is that line issue, and 
also, uh, you know, some of the biggest players now. Um, excuse me. Bless you. Oh, thank you. I think I think that um wraps up a talk about the Royals potential and this is in quotation marks potential move to Kansas City. Right. Well, what else do you want to discuss before? Sure. Let's let's do a Yes, we uh, will be integral to the commercial growth right. of the league. Uh, and then uh, he is from Los Angeles and from uh, UCLA. And just a quick uh, quote right here that <clears throat> the editor itself has spoken, has proven to 2020 that a global audience, as you mentioned. It's not quite international, but, um, but really has become that in 2020, uh, reaching that, um, reaching more, uh, is passionate about the league. And its teams and players said, Paul, I'm excited to join an incredibly talented team at the end. So continue to build on with this year's success and deliver for our partners the most compelling value proposition in sports. And uh, he actually is uh, most recently VP of the National Marketing Solutions for Learfield IMG College, uh, which is a leader for centralized strategy team in developing custom platforms and 
campaigns for national partners. Speaking of national. And before that, he was senior marketing exec with the, you know, like this, the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee and the NFL. He actually began his career in the NBA with the Seattle Supersonics. Oh, before we move on, I found a nerd article that looks good. It fits in with what we're talking about, about the Royals and um, Real Salt Lake sale. There was an article from the 16th and it was titled from Athletic. MLS will take over Real Salt Lake sale process in 2021 if no buyers found. And that means if they can't find a buyer, like we mentioned by January 8th, MLS will take over and try to find a buyer for Real Salt Lake. And they mentioned that while the MLS constitution outlines a procedure in which the league can compel Hansen to sell, it cannot force him to sell. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so basically, there was a buyer. They had fought Ryan Smith, a Utah native, co-founder of tech company Qualtrics. He talked with Hansen about buying the team earlier this fall, but due to the slow process, he ended up buying a stake in the Utah Jazz instead. And it's unlikely he would want to buy the Royals and the Real Set Lake now. So we'll have to see how that works. But situation is very dicey on every front, so we're just hoping that both squads, both te- franchises can stay in Utah, not move somewhere else. That's good news. And with that, I have news on the forthcoming in 2022 new club officially has been named the Angel City FC Los Angeles based club for the league and they've announced that the Angel City football club to play at Bank of California Stadium which is very new to me um, in downtown LA and they're celebrating uh, according to the editor that they're going to be they celebrated uh, a week ago, as this was announced, uh, at, private, at a private press event, and they hosted a uh, really beneficial uh, four-hour gift card drive to Boys and Girls Club of Hollywood. And so the newest team, uh, they will be playing in spring 2022 at California Stadium, and they commemorated with uh, all the you know stakeholders, and uh, which you know includes former USWNT players, uh, all stars of the league, uh, Julie Foudy, Mia Hamm, and then a Cromwell, Laurie Fair Allen, Tisha Venturini, Hulk, and Cecilia Weber. And I have to say that announcing our venue partner is a major milestone for Angel City. We could not be more excited than to play in this spectacular venue right here in the heart of Los Angeles said the ACFC, which is Angel City FC founder and president, Julie Irvin. We're building a club for all of Los Angeles, united in their support of women's soccer and the magic of that LA brings to its fans, players, and teams. And from the beginning, we set out to build a club where everyone was welcome, a club that can stretch to unite the world city through the world's game. 
reached out to welcome our new partners, HCDFC, to our family, to our home, to new in their new home. We look forward to standing shoulder to shoulder with ACFC to create great experiences here in the heart of Los Angeles. And uh, more on the cause that they're uh, raising for is uh, making a positive impact on the community, being the core tenant. It uh, looks like they're really, they're officially partnered with the Boys and Clubs, Boys and Girls Club of Hollywood. And, uh, you know, giving parents the opportunity to give back in a safe, social distance way at the, uh, the drive-thru. Uh, and lastly, mentioned that uh, sports brings people together and builds community, which we know best. So to see evidence of this today, especially in these difficult times, reinforces our purpose and the commitment of our team and community is to make an impact. Uh, a little background about the Boys and Girls Club of Hollywood. Uh, they've impacted lives of children for 80 plus years. CEO uh, Mel Pepper said, education is their focus and equal access to quality, quality education is our mission. And uh, again, they're excited to promote, to partner with the club and promote education for quality and ensure that all children are essential for success. So, very excited and, uh, you know, there is a lot of upside here for that club. And, uh, and see, would you like to also dive into the draft picks after we assist games, or would you like to dive into somewhat some of that now? Oh, the Louisville draft picks? Yeah. I'm thinking it'll be best so we don't mix it up with, uh, you know, the events of that, of course, before. <laughs> yeah, we can do the Louisville draft picks next if you want. I don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's let's stick to uh, the games for now. And then sure. Review of the shuffles, reshufflings. Uh, that sounds good. And so first, we're gonna start off with our continued coverage of MSL with the October third matchup, uh, Sky Blue versus. Washington Superior. Uh, my estimation, this was a uh, was a decent one. Uh, there was one goal there, and uh, for as for the Spirit, they definitely had the edge with uh, pass accuracy as well as possession, and uh, each with two yellow cards, and uh, yet with Stablo having four corners, they were unsuccessful in creating a goal and we had uh, Bledsoe as GK and then Sheridan um, Sky Blue you know two of the best uh, of course Bledsoe for the spirit and uh, had uh, Nicole Baxter uh, come up sub for the uh, Sky Blue and then uh, Natalie Jacobs as well and so at forward we had uh, Ashley Hatch and Yokoyama for the spirit and then for the sky blue we had Mitch Purse as well as uh, Adamanu who's been uh, very good since uh, the challenge cup and so this one ended with just one goal that went to the Washington spirit via Kumi Yokoyama at the 50th minute mark so spirit took home this one in a uh, in the middle of the, the way matchup. And 
later that night, there's the Utah Royals versus Portland Thorns FC. And so this one, we had a really good uh, matchup between um, both captains. And with that, we had no surprises here with how well that, uh, you know, both both ends uh, did. So uh, Thorns did have majority possession, 60%. Uh, as well as passing, passing accuracy, uh, no disciplinary action. Um, the Royals had seven corners, and their lineups had uh, Amy Rodriguez in forward, and then uh, Smith at GK for the Royals, and then for the Thorns, Kurt Eckerstrom took the GK, and then we had uh, Sinclair, Smith, and Weaver in the front. And... So Taylor Little, Stephen Subman, Kelly Hoopley, Simone Charlie also something for the uh, the uh, Portland Thorns of rookie, and so yeah, this one you know it's going to be a rough one when <laughs> these two are two of the most aggressive teams on the entire landscape of NFL, and so this one ended one-one goals each, courtesy. Of Christine Sinclair, 59th minute mark, uh, to take the third half and for the Thorns, and then Amy Rodriguez in the first nine minutes for the Royals. So, tied. Then next we have CJ. If you want to throw in some of your opinion on this one, this one was a, you know, it's going to be a good one. And, uh, I believe this one we uh, both were able to check out. This one was uh, back in uh, on October 4th. So that was the day after. I believe that was a Saturday uh, CBS. Yeah. The Houston Dash and the North Carolina Courage. Yes, and I apologize. I did watch this one in its entirety on Twitch. But... I don't believe I took that many notes. That I took a lot of mental notes. I don't remember taking that many written notes, but from what I can remember, this was a good game. The Dash played excellent. Just like they played excellent all the fall series besides the one loss, they played very well. And Christy Mios was great in this game. She had uh, three assists. The first assist she had started off the first goal for the dash in the 30th minute christy mewis great pass to sophie schmidt the rising star right foot shot very close to center of goal great assist following the corner and i like sophie schmidt she's playing really well she made a name for herself in the challenge cup when she helped the dash get the championship and she had a nice goal yeah. to start things off. Yeah, and what about seven minutes after the fact? Uh, also, yeah, yeah, other this one was assist to uh, all her with the um, and along with Mewis uh, being the assist master here. Veronica Latsko standing out as well. Uh, Thirty-seven minute with the goal for the dash as well. Yes, I remember this one was a good, good pass, good finish by. Veronica to make a 2-0 lead. They're able to build moment, enough momentum here. And uh, also, I wanted to say, yeah, 
uh, again, Sophie Schmidt. Um, that was definitely a big eye opener for the for the Kurds, as they I'm sure they weren't expecting, uh, you know, this this quite a lightning, uh, you know, striking uh, this quick for them. And uh, I don't believe they should be surprised, really, though, um, as they faced them before, and uh, you know, they're able to get you know a slight edge over them, get close enough where you know they uh, were about to beat them. Though in the end that the courage uh, took it though this time you know they're a lot better uh and i believe that you know they stood as good of a chance with uh their gk who is uh usually not their gk um as far as uh you know since the challenge cup in the summer with uh roland number 99 being for the courage and uh you still had you know an excellent uh one of the one of the best of today uh, for the GKs, uh, Jane Campbell, right there, stopping uh, pinpoint accuracy. She's had her moments where you know you've missed. So um, she is very good. Whether it's penalty kicks, if it has to come down to, you, or whether it's you know uh, in really tough situations uh, such as with corners, uh, very good at picking the right side, for example, for that and. Uh, we, we always look for, you know, players that are able to uh, not only stand out, but, like, you know, rookies stepping in, uh, if not, like, uh, rookies with sophomores. Uh, you know, Dash has drafted, if not uh, traded away some players, uh, i.e., like, Julia Watt, two Chicago Red Stars. And so, you know, they just look to fill that void. And they have not just one, just they have multiple um, standouts here and uh really uh, well-developed uh, rookies and sophomores here with uh, uh, Sophia Smith and with a Veronica Lasko and uh, Shay Groom. You know, they're definitely, um, I'd never want to say being like the Courage, though, showing that they can hang and that they can uh, uh, they can defeat them uh, at the right place at the right time. So they uh, definitely show their dominance here as uh, we usually used to for the courage and so I, I was happy to to see that and uh, uh you know the courage they always like to have their uh, formation being in four so they had the four two 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 formation while the uh, dash kept uh you know some you know it's it's just very similar as usual the four three three and so that's worked for them uh and they are a force to be reckoned with here uh, the long go for the courage uh, happened with a in the 74th minute mark with Lynn Williams scoring one. This one went straight through and uh, definitely. The, uh, this one was, was um honestly was not a game changer though. They were able to uh, get that one at least. That that goal honestly should not have happened. It was more um luck and Lynn Williams' excellent skill that caused it to go in. Right, and she is the uh, highest scorer in the league, and uh, and with that is uh, very skilled. So, um, it's it's no surprise that she would be the one. Though, yeah, it's definitely due to um, fortune and you know, there's more luck uh, there. So, definitely recap that one. Uh, watch some back a recap on that, and so yeah, more highlights for the dash. Though they uh, were able to uh, get uh, you know Christy Mewis being able to uh, get one of her own, um, if you want to say, assist to herself. <laughs> uh, she had, in the 60th minute mark, a goal for the dash. And that was the third one. And then uh, last 
83rd minute. Uh, F. Bill Williams, 83. Yep, Shea Groom, one of my favorites on the team, had a left foot shot, very, very, very close range, assisted by Christie to give her the hat trick of assists, three assists on the night, along with one goal. She was named Woman of the Match. She was named Woman of the Match for sure. And let's continue on. As I remember telling DJ Manny to vote earlier, I have to get ready to go pretty soon. So we have to choose what we want to talk about so we have enough time. a couple ones before you go and we'll continue uh, where we left off later on in the night and so yeah we we were live earlier and I believe that's a good place to uh, to stop for now but yeah one more thing is that uh, also even though uh, she didn't quite uh, score here though uh, definitely is a is a player that is to look out for is Michelle Prince. And uh, we'll say that the striker is quite uh, the fireball here. Uh, definitely uh, up in the dash dash to uh, some goals uh, in the beginning. Um, and she actually showed up in our uh, deck of uh, uh, trading cards. Is that right? Who? Um, I don't. We got shit. We got um Rachel Daly. I don't remember who the other dash member was though. Yeah, I recall that. I believe that was one of the first ones. Let me. I have them on on hand. Let me look before we go. So I can. Yeah, and this is quite a brief background on there. Oh, it was Rachel Daly and Shea Groom. Yeah, just Rachel Daly and Shea Groom. Yeah, no Jane Campbell, sorry. So this is good stop, good stopping point. We'll talk to you soon a little bit more to finish up our NWSL coverage later. Welcome back to the Bulldog Sports Show. The final, final, final segment of part 50 of the Bulldog Sports Show. The 50th episode. Not technically 50th. We've created a 50th official official episode. Let's get right down to the final few topics left. Starting out with a Bane. Just finished talking about the Dash Courage game. Now we're going to talk about the Dash Pride game from the day right after that one. We'll talk yes. about that game. Talk about the last few after that. And then we'll call it a night. Yeah, so 
we have from October 9th, Orlando Pride versus Houston Dash. And so this one, we have much better um, showing for the Pride. Uh, they definitely, they, they stood up um, this time and uh, they had, they still underperformed with, uh, you know, their possession and passes. Uh, passes, they had 301, while the dash, uh, they had the 404, and then possession, 58% of the time went to the dash and 42 for the card. And one yellow card was issued each, and uh, the card didn't earn any corners. Uh, the, yeah, the dash, they had uh, 10 overall. And so this is actually now uh, renamed uh, their uh, Orlando City slash uh, Soccer Club slash uh, Pride. They play at uh, what's known as the Osceola County Stadium at Osceola Heritage Park, which is in that same uh the venue that's located in the same, uh, the town of, of the same name. <laughs> and so, excuse me. Yeah, the, uh, the dash definitely took more shots. They've been able to create more uh, openings. And so, you know, players that, that really uh, stood out for the card were, uh, you know, Edmonds, number 12, who's a defender, midfielder, Kristen Edmonds. Uh, she's a veteran, part of the Pride, and so good to have that. You know, you're missing um, one in, you know, one or two specifically in this game with uh, GK Epsilon Harrison uh, recently. I mean, on loan, uh, that is Alex Morgan, number 13. Uh, but yeah, you have Edmonds, um, and then at forward, you definitely have that leadership uh, under Marta, number 10, and number 2, uh, Sydney, Sydney LaRoe, who actually uh, got the yellow card, as well as uh, defender Ellie Krieger, number 11. So, and notice how they have that in order, uh, let's say the four, you know, if you want to call them the big four, uh, Marner at number 10, and then Krieger at 11, uh, Edmonds is 12, and then 13 is Morgan. So I thought, you know, that's quite uh, easy if you're a fact that. Um, and then uh, Jane Campbell is back. Number one, GK, and then uh, we had at forward at Michelle Prince, and then Veronica Latsko, and uh, Vasali back again so uh subs uh, tony presley stepped up as well as for uh, for the part and then for the dash uh katie stago and christine mary stepped up uh as well so both interestingly we don't see this very often had the same formation uh both with a four three three so you know to match on uh no surprises as that will make it difficult as uh, you both 
already know. You know, damn it, really face one another, though. They already know one another with the same um, type of where they are. So, um, and that, that changes throughout the match, though. They, you know, they always go back to it. And so, um, into the, the action. So, first 13th minute mark for Shea Groom. Um, she was assisted by Christy Lewis. Uh, Lewis continuing the attack and uh, helping with the, the defense her under the dash. And so, 13 minutes in, we have a goal made by Shea Groom. And then had a second one that was also assisted by Mewis that went to their striker forward, Veronica Latsko, and that's made it 2-0 at the 29th minute mark. And then, yeah, the yellow card was actually issued for the dash under uh, Haley Hansen, who's the defender for them, and then um, Konya Plummer, uh, you know, came off and then came Tony Presley at 46. So that was the first one. And then uh, to the second, we had Sydney LaRoe was assisted by Olinsky, who stayed in at 47 minutes for a goal. And that ended up being their own long goal. And while um, that happens uh, about seven minutes later, uh, LaRoe got herself a yellow card. And we continue on. Uh, not much else, uh, though, yet without some uh, subs for Kristen uh, Nairn coming in for Let's Go. And then uh, Megan Oyster coming out and Prasad coming in. And so, yeah. Yeah, the dash are stacked um, as well as the Pride. Um, I want to say that the, the Pride have looked well rusty, especially last yeah. time, I guess, is why they changed. Uh, Ashlyn Harris um, out. Um, she definitely looks rusty, dare I say. Uh, and being their uh, team captain, too, uh, that didn't look good, um, you know, that their last matchup. And so, yeah, they, they improved. They improved by much. They, they took a lot of shots last time, but this time they weren't able to as much. So, uh, yeah, they were able to get uh, a goal by the returning Lobo, who's been back for a little while. Um, that, that's nice to see. So for... I want to give a shout out to Christy Muis, finished with five assists in her past two games of the fall series. Fantastic job for Christy, one of the most important players on our team. Yes, the full time. You heard it here. Two one dash over. Also, want to shout out to Shea Groom, very important as well. She played very well the past two games of two goals. Yeah, yeah, and let's go as well. Yep, he's definitely becoming a uh, a big star. If yeah, you know. big striker. Right, and uh, we we usually don't see this um, in the Red Stars. It's something that's kind of mysterious. You know, they're they're missing something. Uh, despite having, you know, multiple, uh, you know, usually they have, uh, you know, their three strikers in a match. And so uh, definitely uh, 
recently using one of them is is that gonna really help i mean the one that i'm talking about is was not active at all uh, for the all serious and uh, you know another one uh who wasn't really present uh, all that much in the, in the challenge cup as well uh um was is also uh, who is a national team member was, was not also not, not factored too so you know not really helping their cause when that happens and so you know the strength that the dash have is that they do have that and uh a mix with young talent that is actually um very uh goal oriented should i say uh, they always look out for the opportunity and they've uh, more than capitalize on there than the, their, their win over the courage um, or they've been able to uh, dominate uh, over the courage or at least uh, go up to them uh, you know reach their reach their uh, you know full potential right there you know despite not having um, daily at the moment who is uh, on loan at uh, West Ham at the FAWSL, the Super League. So, all right, with that, we move on to the next day, very next day on the 10th, and we have our very own Chicago Red Stars versus Sky Blue. And this one was the final matchup within their respective pod between the Red Stars and the jersey sky blue. A spoiler alert, the Red Stars did not win. Right. And we'll get into this. Um, so, pass accuracy, the Red Stars have the edge here, 86% over 77. And then for passes, uh, they also have the edge 530 over 396, as well as possession, 58 over 42. So this is surprising, and, uh, you know, Red Sox usually find themselves in earning uh, many of their corners. So they had 11, while the Sky Blue had one. So I'm a little surprised. Uh, they played aggressively, uh, seven fouls, and then uh, Sky Blue uh, not too far, far behind with that, too, when uh, they have a really good uh, goalkeeper in Kaylin Sheridan. And no surprise, they have her in the lineup. Their formation, 4-3-3, shared in that GK. And for us, we had Alyssa Mayer back, as well as a for real return, who's been named on the roster. Uh, she is back. She actually earned a yellow card during this. Um, Tierna Davidson, who is a, a defender. And we also had a strong uh, backing with uh, short Gordon and St. George's as well. So uh, we had at the very very front, we had Kaylee Watt, number two, for our home team. And then Adam Manu, as well as Midge Purse and Paige Monaghan for Sky Group. So they are not without star power. And let's not forget uh, Sarah Waldmo as well. Is also there, and so yeah, that definitely causes trouble. It makes it uh, more difficult. And let's run down the action. So when did Tierna get the yellow cards? Within a 
12th minute. She definitely is uh, taken, you know, uh, is, is out of the shadows, is uh, back to where she wants to be. And so, yeah, this was uh, at MSU Central Park in uh, Jersey. So, yeah, we were away in the last game. And so, yeah, uh, Sky Blue really having their, their way right here, 25th minute and 35th minute. They both had a goal, and um, each, uh, this one, uh, Midge, Midge Purse, she assisted Paige Monaghan for the first one, and then uh, Monaghan then basically returned it to uh, another teammate. And 10 minutes later, we had that assist go to Adamadu, who stroke, who striked at the right time. And what do you know, 10 minutes, uh, 12 minutes after an extra time, 47 minutes, uh, Mitch, once again, with an assist. And we'll find ourselves back to square one with letting go in, Paige Monaghan scoring on us again. And so that leads to 3 0 so far. And uh, with this, we only cause um, some changes. So Bianca St. George's sucked up in terms of more, so it's one of the newest players for us. And then the return of Aaron Wright and uh, one of our newest forwards, Sarah Lubert, um, came out. Uh, came off, and uh, Aaron Wright off the bench, uh, the defender number three, and I yeah, actually met uh, Aaron Wright before, super nice. Uh, that was the time uh, we were celebrating. Uh, sticky nose in my very first game, uh, sticky nose the first or second game that I went to last year, and I uh, got to touch hands. Um, basically, this way, I was congratulating her, all of us congratulating her for her uh, her fiftieth cap. It was yeah uh, under the Red Stars banner. So so yeah, she is one of the longest tenured uh, Red Stars, along with Mayor uh, Gordon Ertz, and uh, I'm sure I'm missing one. <laughs> yeah. So we had a yellow card. I went to Erica Sprusky, fifty first. And then uh, Gorowski came in for a short uh, few minutes after. And then Flores came in for Baxter on the sky blue. And uh, Bright didn't, uh, yeah, Bright played uh, just about 30. And uh, in came uh, striker Katie Johnson. And so this found us in a good position as uh, we had, uh, we didn't let that yellow card ruin our chances, and so uh, number 13, uh, one of uh, one of our uh, favorites in Morgan, Brian, assisted by Tiana Davidson, hit a goal for us, 89 minutes, and we're up for one, so, so far at 3-1, and so, yeah, that was up in the last minute, and We've seen this before, uh, i.e. the Challenge Cup, and have have won before. We've definitely seen teams 
with this play before, and uh, I'm actually quite surprised that we were able to get that. And uh, being one who actually, you know, we, we saw Brian being one to the scoring the long goal in the challenge cut that one time uh, to, to save us, to get us that win. Uh, uh, can we say that we were not that surprised at us a bit? So again, um, I guess she's built that confidence since um, last year because I remember being at uh, at games and she, you know, usually her being, you know, she's a midfielder, so, you know, so much as personal. Um, probably not as much as Ertz is despite being uh, playing the national level, though. Um, she definitely is very good. So I, I noticed that she would basically stop and freeze when you know, the ball usually came in front and uh, not want to take the chance for a goal. And so I'm glad that she um, has proved that and will continue to. Um, it's kind of difficult to, uh, you know, I mean, because this one took place uh, late in the matchup. And so, you know, uh, a lot of chances uh, throughout uh, this first and second half. You know, within the third half, she. So you got us one, and I'm uh, very happy. Uh, the uh, unhappy final for us in full time to end the fall series in, within our respective pod. The Red Stars fall to Sky Blue FC, who uh, is victorious. They uh, say continue their uh, winning ways. No, actually, they a few days before they uh, uh, Spirit actually won. They uh, should be proud since they got uh, over us. Also, this was in sad news. Savannah McCaskill's last game as a member of the Red Stars. Right. Yes, we'll get into that more uh, a little bit later. Uh, Yeah, uh, as part of the the, uh, expansion draft and all. So, all right. And then we continue with a few more. We have three more. Oh, we're not we're not done. We have my second. We have my second uh, favorite team, and so uh, we are done with uh, for the rest of the dash. We have a few more overall, and so we have the OL Rain versus the Portland Thorns FC, and so this one ended up being two one in full time Thorns going over the rain, and this one went into penalty. Um, Thorns definitely 90% of the time have possession, so this time no surprises. 54% over 46, and passes with 42.29. Accuracy of pass is at a whopping 70. Uh, we usually don't see this from many, though they're one to uh, be pinpoint in terms of uh, ball handling, and so... 
for the Thorns, no surprises. We still have Rocky Rodriguez, Haran, Captain Sinclair, Becky Sauerbrunn, uh, you have Emma Mangies, uh, Brett Eckes from Megan Klinningberg, uh, you know, some of Charlie. They're, they're very stacked in that in all departments. And so we continue. Um, it was actually quite interesting with uh, Thorns. They had a 4-1-2-1-2 formation. So definitely spread everyone out. And uh, all around, they uh, with you know, it's always, you know, your first 11. Uh, though, you know, they're more tight uh, with a 4-2-3-1 formation. And so, yeah, what to, what to know for this matchup is that, yeah, the uh, Thorns went over the rain 2-1. And, yeah, so how that happened with, is through Christine Sinclair. Sinclair. Yes, so due to, uh, you know, your yellow card, well, first, Ellie Long, 40th minute, and then 43rd minute, uh, that now caused the uh, penalty after uh, Ellie Long. So uh, Christine was able to, to get that, and it was actually really nice to see Sinclair uh, during the challenge, but not really. I uh, believe scored uh, one of being, uh, you know, a star striker, um, it definitely uh, came back, you know, during this tournament and or uh, series, and so yeah, happy happy to see that. When I first saw that, I was like, ooh, this is the thorns of old. And so um, then we had for the rain, their logo was courtesy of forty six minutes with assist by Cruz. Tranya uh, by Andrew, Andrew Amber Brooks, their defender number two. And then we found, uh, Thorns found themselves in another penalty goal with uh, Sinclair taking it again. Um, Sinclair is a forward. She's um, also a midfielder, and so she's more of an attacking midfielder, so, uh, which is why, you know, we. We'll always see it. I mean, not as much as before, though. She's still like one of the top five uh, most, excuse me, most uh, goals in the history. So, all right, and then so yeah, that that does it for that matchup, and so I had one more thing to say. Did you have anything else? Nope. Nope. Yeah, yeah. So while Charlie showed up, he played through majority actually, and uh, let's do uh, 86 for the 86 play, so. Alright, go back to the next matchup. So that happened on the 17th, so we we went, and so we had the first matchup of the day. This one, very dramatic, um, so no one expects 
the Pirates team stuff up the way they did, though. I'm sure they're waiting to show everyone what they've got. And so they did. With possession, this usually never happens. Uh, they dominated uh, with majority 54 over 26. And for passes, they also did um, with 375 over 309. Uh, the, for the Kurds, they had more stress, um, accuracy, 76 over 72. Uh, so, yeah, they're not too far behind. This was played at Orlando Pride. Uh, they were able to have uh, some fans available on hand at Explorer Stadium, so I'm sure that helped. And uh, two yellow cards done. And so, yeah, with the, you know, the Thorns, you definitely saw them before playing against the Courage. And Pride definitely need to come out aggressively, and they did. And so risking it with uh, two yellow cards. And so uh, we'll go into this more details. The Courage themselves spreading out this time with 3 4 1 2 formation while the Pride had a 4 3 3. And very similar, yet they moved, you know, Edmonds Brown uh, to Defender along with Krieger and Presley. And Peterson and then uh, Marta Leroux, Alinsky being your coming your right hand in midfield uh, with Bistro. Um, Lynn Williams and then your player Salon and Davinia covering your front. And uh, you had in the midfield with Milliate and um, Merrick. And then defenders with Dalkemper, Ricaro, and then uh, Roland, 99, as you can say, and Ashley Harris for the Pride. GK. And so the yellow card came down to Ellie Krieger at the 15th minute. And a few minutes later, a Courage took advantage of that scuffle with Davinia, assisted by Amelia, or Amelia for the first one. And it wasn't until the second, uh, it's going into uh, the second, into halftime. Uh, and 50th minute, uh, an extra time, Lynn Williams getting up two, and there was more time, an extra minute, with uh, the 51st, uh, Speck assisting Davinia for her second overall, and the club's third overall in this game, so right now it was up to three. Oh, the question now is that will the Pride have an answer to that, at least to get themselves to their first and so they did within the first four minutes um first actually 10 minutes uh within and uh marissa vigiano stepping up uh to the plate midfielder for the pride getting one on the courage and then the pride the second time this was assisted by lawrence and so this put him up uh, two now, 71st minute, Kristen Edmonds stepping up to the plate and challenging the courage. And uh, that was not without any uh, action as with the uh, yellow card being issued to Jordan Lispro in midfielder, 85th minute. By that time, just about over and find ourselves in extra time with uh, 19 minutes. Uh, an assist by Marta. Marta surprisingly not being the one to score, though it was Ellie Haran, spelled H-A-R-A-N, uh, tying it up 
3-3, and so the match ended 3-3. So, yeah, the Canadian American helping tie it up. Uh, congrats to Allie for, for doing so. And uh, the Courage, with no surprises, the one with their, their GK, though, is, is so very uh, questionable uh, how they will allow these. So, uh, you know, Lynn Williams and Davinia being the ones to uh, always be, you know, basically the, the face that, that runs the place, uh, you know, especially when they're going up there to, uh, to attempt. Uh, usually the ones that will, will go up to the front and uh, get up to the box. So, and I just got to say that Marta still being one of the best today uh, always uh, steps up. And uh, very smart. I remember the one time when uh, extra time they were want to uh, even get a single point. I believe it was almost of its op- their opposition um, wanted to tie it, and they if she didn't let it happen. She just basically, uh, you know, veteran move like kind of waste some time whenever it's a corner, being able to defend in that way, and so. Yeah, it's fine. The last second when it's necessary to uh, to really put the the pride up there to uh, be able to say that yes, we can hang, and not only that, we uh, we 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 stepped up right to your level, North Carolina courage. So full time once again, three three, and the night ended with the very last matchup, and so we had. The OL Rain go up against the Utah Rose FC. And OL Rain defeats Utah Rose of T Zero. Sofia Huerta with the first goal. Uh, also for the former Red Star. And then 51st, we have Leah Pruitt coming up to there. And so, uh, in, uh, rapidly, we've got uh, possession. His stats for 51%, um, quite even. Uh, Rose had slight edge, and then with pass accuracy, 66-63. Uh, Utah Rose having a slight edge, and then uh, two yellow cards got issued for uh, rain. Uh, and yet they had uh, eight corners. This was played at Cheney Stadium with all rains. Home stand uh, within the Tacoma, Washington despite being under the French uh, French uh, sponsorship, you should say, uh, Olympique Lyonnais, they are still running under Tacoma, Washington. Um, and so each had the exact same formation, 4-2-3-1. And so that can be smart, yet at the same time be difficult. And so had quite a few uh, to really come up here, um, especially with the Royals. Uh, newer players like Samantha Hyatt, as well as uh, Jasmine Spencer, Vernon Nile, and Morgan Andrews, uh, who's been there before. And uh, being able to sub in, uh, Jasmine Spencer actually earned one of the yellow cards for the Royals, uh, or for the rain, actually, uh, for the flip side. And uh, we also have former Red Star Michelle Baskin-Salos 
in uh, I believe that was the first ever game since being uh, traded to the Royals, unfortunately. Uh, just very odd to see her uh, in the new club uniform, you know, just being out there in the new place uh, doesn't feel uh, right. So uh, this was a good way to to end it, you know, a decisive victory, all rain stepping up and beating the pretty Utah Royals. And that concludes the first ever NWSL Fall Series. Up next, we have a few headlines for you. We have the competitive scheduling as well as, uh, you know, basically it's from the uh, results for uh, record breakers of this year, as well as uh, we have, I have one on uh, by Steve Hamlin. Uh, and there was a uh, piece that was uh, interviewing uh, Red Star Kalia Watt, and as well as your 2020 NWSL expansion draft. So, first, I uh, to dive into the record breaking 2020 competitive schedule, how uh, their innovation, excellence, delivering the safe. Uh, no COVID hazard results uh, since uh, the return to play during the summer Challenge Cup and uh, an unprecedented audience and fan engagement, especially, you know, doing the Google, Google Meet watch parties and all the different ways on Twitch and, and all that. We get everyone interactive with uh, the game. So uh, this also included record-breaking TV audiences. So safe to say that NMSL Fall Series a success. CBS averaged 383,000 viewers. And this is the, the league's seven contests uh, on. They're having seven contests on CBS TV network. And also streaming live on All Access, as we know. Um, there were the seven most watched games in NMSL history. So there's definitely a huge interest uh, more. And year over year, um, and it was a domestic TV audiences nearly up 500%. And then viewership highlighted this summer of the record 653k viewers for the championship, as we noted before. And combined with a significant additional streaming audiences on Twitch, more people were watching the NFSL uh, professional only for week in and week out than at any moment in history. So it's nice to be uh, a part of that. Uh, I, I can speak for uh, both of us and yeah, record breakers um, social platforms uh, mentions for that episode is up 152% year over year and coverage in the media was up 55% which is uh, definitely one of the goals of doing this, getting more exposure for women's sports and I'm proud to be able to do that and uh, really getting the voice out there for them, you know, and so I have a quote from Commissioner Baird. She said that our players are the best in the world adapted to the challenges of 2020 like you would expect and delivered a product out of the field that audiences fight to. I'm so incredibly proud to be associated with our players. 
at the league level. We had to innovate to make it work this year, and I'm truly grateful for the support of our owners and the staff at each club for contributing to an unqualified success in unprecedented times. And, of course, we know about the uh, CBS Sports Twitch contract. Um, that's going to be going up for the next few years, and so nothing to worry about. We'll see more games on CBS uh, and hopefully no more interferences as we sell the Challenge Cup. Uh, they're only able to fit into two games, so I'm glad that we able to see that they expanded for the fall series. So that's a plus, and uh, we're able to hopefully not only get this one month, but uh, so, uh, you know, two months and three or three months of action uh, being a, a, a normal, you know, a regular thing on uh, broadcast TV versus uh, just, you know, one and done, basically, and, you know, them not, you know, being able to be, to get that um, exposure. So, all right. And so that leads into the whole goal of the fall series. And so what was earned? was not uh, really shown on TV. The part of it was, uh, you know, once you've reached enough points and you're be crowned it. So just like Premier League, mathematically, um, one of the teams actually got it before. And so I'll announce that shortly. And then, so again, uh, part of the Shield, each of the players they chose on behalf of a local small business throughout the series and uh, each team story about their partnership uh, with them. They did pieces that can be read at www.soccer.com slash videos. And then, uh, so, and then ahead after this, we have the uh, Racing Louisville FC expansion draft that happened on the 12th. Uh, yeah, first, I'll get into how, how each, the top three were crowned. And so, in third place for the Fall Series, Community Shield, the Washington Spirit with seven points. And then in second, the Houston Dash being the runners up with nine points. And they actually are not too far from the prize winner, Community Shield 1 2, with ten points, Portland Thorns FC. They're the champions of the 2020 Fall Series. And then, since then, we've had this month uh, some reflection, and Kelia Ohai Watt reflected on the success of the Fall Series and her new position with the Red Stars. And so she finally was able to score this time within this, uh, within the pod, and also assisted twice part of the SHIELD campaign. So um, she had to say that, uh, you know, being like in the right direction, um, she, she said that the Challenge Cup was a missed opportunity, that we didn't like how it ended. It was personal for the team since they made it to the championship last year as well. It was upsetting. We went through so much in the bubble and we're so exhausted. We knew we had, we had more and just needed a little more time together to get things equipped. And combination of new acquisitions and rookies, uh, she had to find herself, you know, where to fit in with the bubble. 
and especially being the first time, is, uh, that's not the ideal way to, to do it. And so she wanted to say that that's why I like the fall series. We can end the year on a different note. It was a chance to try new things and work on getting on the same page offensively. It's been great to be able to work on the movement and developing connections with the other forwards. Everyone is excited that it's starting to shine through. And she says that the tune of the season especially changed for herself and um, she left after leaving uh, Utah, the Utah bubble, without a goal or an assist. Uh, she, she still spearheaded uh, the attack for Chicago uh, into the fall, and she finally opened, as their words, uh, opened her account with the Red Stars to finish with the campaign, the two goals and two assists. Um, about that, she says, it felt incredible. Any forward that hasn't scored yet, especially on the new team, it weighs on you. It was a big relief. It felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. It was special for me because I never played at Seafood Stadium before. I only trained there. The score in my first game was special. She might mean that she has never played as part of the Red Stars, maybe. Uh, so, yeah, and she said that she had the extra chemistry about with teammates. Um, not really, not really directly though she was able to form that uh, during the summer. And so she went on at the beginning of the fall series. Rory, the coach, talked to me about the number nine role. He liked my defensive presence in Utah. wanted to be closer to the goal in some ways. Concerned my energy to produce at a higher level. It's been interesting to learn to connect with wingers and see the game from a different perspective. I've even learned more about being a wing while being a number nine. It, it's definitely helped me evolve as a player. And then the fact that a winger, uh, being her her uh, specialty for most of her career, just hesitant at first to move up front, position she's not been fully immersed in before the fall. Uh, the support rest there as coaching staff allowed Watt to continue to excel in her favorite part of the game, one-on-one -on -one attacking, which, again, is her specialty and to cap it all off she wanted to say that if my back was always the goal I'm not able to return and take people on uh, explaining her initial hesitation I felt that I just posted up a lot the way we've been playing the way Rory Scott Parkinson another uh, assistant coach have been showing me the nine there are still so many ways to turn your body and be able to take players on one-on-one. -on -one. That's my biggest strength, and I want to get into more of those situations. That's where I'm most dangerous. And so there's a highlighter here. Uh, first pro goal, first ever matchup. Within the first few minutes, with Sarah Luber, uh, really nice to see for um, our home team. And then for Kaylee and Ohio to provide that setup, that assist, inch perfect cross which is uh, when you're on the left or right side and being able to it's almost like a corner stuff that you're on um, you know the, the infield by the goal and you you cross it basically make that X on your side and another player comes up to uh, potentially score uh, get into the box score for you so 
addition, uh, one more thing about that is that continues with the Chicago's offensive surge, uh, you know, being the thing. And I saw that as their thing, you know, having, uh, you know, having Rachel Hill and uh, Mackenzie and um, Ohio, you know, they definitely were looking for someone to replace the irreplaceable Sanford. So um, definitely with that surge, hiring by a new face, following uh, the new face, you know, rookie Sarah Lubert. Uh, who had two assists and a goal, um, and but definitely uh, praising her, called her an incredible player. It's a big jump from college, takes a lot of time, and happens to jump right in and produce. Coolest part is that she listens, she really wants to learn, give her thoughts, she's just excited to learn and play off of the other forwards. And yeah, it's definitely something I always wanted to know about um, our forwards is that, you know, with that much. Um, you know, star power is a big range right there, but from veterans all the way to, you know, whether it's college or someone who, you know, one of the youngest players that just entered um, where they're at and how they'll mix in. And so, uh, and right here it provides a really uh, key, the keys to it. And so, yeah, continues with, I have so much fun looking up parents in terms of going to, it's just going to develop and take real talent in this league. And lastly, um, she... She said that she sees another new, yet familiar position that she has acclimated leader, a captain in Houston. Um, she's going to establish herself as her own kind of leader at a new club and already had a hand upholding the Red Stars internal culture. Uh, finally, the great thing is that there are so many leaders there. They lead in different ways. Said Haley a lot. I try to be a leader on the field, also connect with the young girls and help them develop as players. Yeah, and being younger, younger self, so, um, you know, that's definitely something, uh, since she's been on the dash that, you know, she brings to the Red Stars, so, um, as much as the Red Stars did say that they want to bring her, um, she's also has said, um, since the summer that she, has been looking for that new team and been w wanting to actually come to Chicago for a while. So, um, some more that there are from Ohio that there are a few things bigger in this league than having confidence, having an older player helping you through that journey. I've had, I tried to focus on leading by example, and it's been amazing. This group is so special. There's many veterans and that have accomplished and seen a lot. That's one reason why this club has always been so special and so successful. So despite losing, uh, you know, not having the best record as, let's see, the Red Stars, they ended up being, uh, where they know with the dash, how they, uh, where they fell in the rankings. The uh, uh, Red Stars uh, in uh, sixth overall with four points as they were um, in score so much as that the courage in sky blue so that takes us to the last topic that we'll get into and we're going to dive into the players that are selected in the 2020 NWSL expansion draft for racing Louisville FC and they added some star power definitely right CJ yep yeah, so 
added 14 players to their inaugural, inaugural roster, headlined by some national team forwards. So, we're going to begin very shortly. We have, this came out of Chicago, this was uh, virtual, uh, this was shown on Twitch, and so we start off uh, after the trade window was on Friday, November the 13th. So about uh, a week and a half ago, uh, two weeks ago or so, um, at 8 a.m. So here's the order of selection. We're going to build up to the dramatic uh, last picks, if you will. So first, acquired from North Carolina Courage, defender Addison Merrick. Next, from O.L. Rain, defender Julia Ashley. Next, acquired from Sky Blue FC, yeah, Jennifer Hujo. And unfortunately, you took one from us, acquired from Houston Dash, forward CeCe Kaiser, who was drafted back in 2019 in the second round. Next, we have defender Washington Square, Katie Wound, who is goalkeeper. Then, Orlando Pride, one who was undrafted before, defender Alana Kennedy. Next, from North Carolina Courage, we have midfielder Lauren Millier. Next, from Sky Blue FC, defender Kaylee Rail. From Orlando Pride, Caitlin Ford, the forward. The one undrafted as well, the four. And then from Washington Spirit, forward Katie McClure. Next, from Houston Dash, here we go again, defender Aaron Simon. And next is a major pick for them, major pickup, and that is from, and she's been in on this squad, this club for her whole career, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Portland Thorns FC's forward superstar, USWNT, most skilled player in the world, that is the undrafted yet amazingly talented Tobin Heath, one of my favorites of all time. And they kept up with uh, one of the biggest uh, superstars today, who is apart from Utah Rose FC. She is, she was also undrafted back in the day. Another forward who's going to definitely stand out from the crowd, along with her good friend, Tobin Tobes Heath. That is forward Kristen Press. So yeah, as, as promised, yeah, the team, uh, women's national team mates being added. And so definitely a big loss for those two, uh, as well as for the dash. Uh, definitely can uh, sympathize 
Facebook um, and uh, you know anything could happen in the next year you know um, right now nothing to worry about so um, with Heath you know press we're definitely not going to see them uh, representing them just yet you know there's going to be uh, Heath and press the playing for Manchester United uh, for the Super League through to the 2021 season so um, these final two selections the, from the U.S. allocated players uh, both Utah and Portland will receive $75,000 in allocation money so they'll be able to add someone uh, of their choosing to there and we did not mention the first two though technically being the first two uh, before the trade window closed uh, we had uh, Louisville was permitted to select up to two players or one U.S. allocated player. So it bounces out from out of each NFL team, and total of two were selected from in total from all teams, and both happened to be from the Red Stars. Uh, both forwards. So uh, CJ, go ahead and drop it. Yes, so we talked about it a few weeks ago, talked about our reactions to the to the trade, but just to remind everyone before we close in less than two minutes, they chose to select from the Red Stars, Sarah McCaskill, my favorite Red Star, and also Yugi Nagasato, who is a fan favorite, who both should fit well in the system at Racing Louisville FC. Got talented forwards, got talented players overall. The team looks like it could be good, but you never know on paper. There have been plenty of talented teams that had talented players that stunk it up. So we'll see how they look in 2021. Yeah, they definitely have a stacked, uh, you know, in terms of forwards, right? They have four of the, the biggest, uh, you know, whether internationally uh, in Yuki or, you know, who is who plays in Japan. Uh, on top of that, on a uh, men's uh, Hayabusa, uh, the men's uh, also the, the uh, rookie team, <laughs> or uh, you know, it's one of like uh, those first uh, third tier teams. And yeah, so playing for that, making history, making headlines, ESPN, and McCaskill definitely one uh, to always look out for, and us improving, uh, being the star for. The Red Stars, uh, as of late at least, and two big losses uh, for us, and so now they have less star power with Nagasato. McCaskill still going to be in the Midwest, technically, so, you know, they have not too much to get uh, acclimated, if you will, but yeah, they, they also have uh, Press, Heath, uh, Ford, from the Pride, uh, Kennedy from the Pride, uh, really well-versed athletes, players. So they're in really good hands. Um, I say we're in good hands, so despite having lost them, uh, we were very intelligent to have kept full roster protection beforehand. Uh, not, no other... And of the nine active NWSL teams did so. And so I definitely commend the Red Stars for doing so, though in exchange they had to like they had to let uh, freely 
uh, next title in the Casco. So that's going to create some really intriguing feature matchups there with a stack racing Louisville FC. And so with that, we will see everyone then and see how they will do. And all of our fans, we will see you as well. So any final thoughts? CJ Hall. Nope, I'm ready to sign off. Yeah, signing off. Thanks for listening to part three. And really thank you, uh, as it is the week of giving. Uh, doesn't stop, you know, always someone to need. Um, though, yeah, at the same time, be grateful for what you have and grateful to, you know, being, uh, staying in good health, to stay safe during these times. And uh, thank you for listening to episode 50 our extravaganza have a good time having a look at different perspectives and being able to finally cover uh, close the book on for the end of the 2020 season if you will and yeah i'll leave it out for uh to cj once more bye